And I'm talking about unity in the leadership team and how important that is, how powerful that is, and how that needs to be a priority. If you're, if you're beginning a church or you've taken over a, a, another work or God has sent you into another field to, to start over with the work, you're going to have to establish this principle as quickly as possible in order for the blessing of the Lord to begin to flow. So we looked at the prayer of unity that Jesus prayed in John 17. We looked at the power of unity in Genesis chapter 11. And we looked at the blessing of unity, the commanded blessing that God gives in unity and when we dwell together in unity. So let's talk about now what is Bible unity? What is this thing, unity, and what does it look like? Because there are so many different ideas on what it means to be in unity, and many times it's just not clarified. It's just not made clear. And we endeavor and are constantly endeavoring here to clarify what unity we're looking for and some things that would maybe help you clarify unity, Bible unity, and, and what you're looking for. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, in the King James Bible, it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness. One translation says with simple humility, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Can we stay here for just a minute? Forbearing one another in love. Can I get a witness from some of the leaders that some people you have to forbear in the church? All of us, I don't care where you're at in ministry, there are people within your ministry that you have to forbear in love and that you have to work with in this thing called long-suffering. Some people suffer, but not very long. And many times it takes time to bring people along and, and you have to endure some things. But here's what I'm looking for in the next verse. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What we're looking for is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Notice again that that third verse says that we have to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. The word endeavor literally means to work or labor intense. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of discipline and diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit. We, we drift. People drift. And you have to, as a senior leader, to constantly be working, constantly in labor and laboring, not in labor, but laboring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, again, endeavor means to work hard. Notice again, number two, that it is the unity of the Spirit that we're looking for. What is the Spirit saying and doing in your local church? That's what we're looking for. What is God's will for our church? What is the Spirit of God saying in our church? And what is the Spirit of God doing? See, we're not interested. Well, that didn't gonna come out right. I want to know what God wants, not what Sister Big Mouth wants. I want to know what God wants, not what Brother Know-it-all wants. And my leadership team, I need them helping me seek what is the Spirit saying to us and what is the Spirit doing among us, and that is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, of peace. You know, a lot of groups, unless you believe the same thing about everything the same way, uh, you, you, you can't be a part of their ministry or a leadership role in their ministry. Real quick, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, verse 11 talks about the ministry gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts, that of a pastor, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist. And then it says that God gave those gifts in verse 11. And verse 12 says, for the perfecting or maturing of the saints or equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now look at verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith is the goal. It's the destination. It's where we're all headed toward. How we get to the unity of the faith is 
keeping, maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We don't all believe the same thing and the same way about everything. Now, there are the tenets, the basic tenets of the Christian faith that all Christian denominations believe, those tenets that Jesus is the Son of God, for instance, that, that we, can, we can be in agreement with. And I'll talk about that here in a minute when I talk about constants and uh, the essentials. But what I'm trying to say to you now is there are things I believe today and I understand about the faith that I didn't understand three years ago. Oh, come on. Surely you've changed your mind about something in three years and seeing something a little different three years down the road. And you know what? Three years from now, there'll be something that God will show me about the faith that I didn't quite have right or I was in disagreement with someone or they were in disagreement with me. But because we maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, we're all coming to the unity of the faith. And so there are many things about the Bible I don't understand. We all see in part. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, we prophesy in part, we know in part. We're all looking through a glass darkly. And while I'll admit that some people's glass is a little darker than others, (laughs) we all look through a glass darkly. And so what we are to be maintaining and keeping is the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace until we come until we all come to the unity of the faith. So we've got endeavoring, which means to work and to labor. Then we've got, this is what we're looking for, the unity of the spirit. Number three, in the bond of peace. We want peace in the house of God. God wants peace in his house. And people have enough stress in their homes and strife. They have enough stress and strife in the workplace. They have enough stress and strife in the school systems and at the ball games and with the Dow Jones and on and on we could go with all the stress and strain of life. People need to come to the house of God and it'd be a house of peace. There doesn't need to be all this fussing and fighting and quarreling and and division and, and discord and politics and on and on I could go with what people deserve is better than that. And God has called us to the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And it is the bond of peace or peace, look at this, that is our common bond. We wanna live at peace with each other. We wanna walk in peace. We want peace to rule in our hearts. We want peace to rule in the house of God. And so whatever this unity has, number four, he said, keep it. Now that's interesting. Notice again in verse three of Ephesians chapter four, it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith or the unity of the spirit. Notice whatever this unity is, we've already got it. All right, I'm gonna say it again. He said, keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So whatever this unity is, we don't have to go find it. We don't have to, to get it. We already got it in Jesus and we need to keep it. How many of you know God has made peace with us through the blood of his cross? So we should be at peace with one another. How many of you know God has forgiven us? So we should forgive one another. So we already have this in Jesus. We're just not keeping it. We, we forfeit it. We lose it so easily instead of keeping the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Notice again, it's the unity of the spirit, not the unity of a haircut. No, don't tell me to come on. (laughs) Not the unity of clothes and style. Not the unity of uh, traditions. Not the unity of philosophy, worldviews. I could go on and go on with the things that many of us in the past have tried to obtain and wasn't biblical unity in the first place and actually created strife among us, created division among us. Aren't you glad it's not the unity of opinions? Because this is is one of the finest gatherings we we could have right now of men and women of faith, men and women of commitment, men and women that are loyal to God and love Jesus with all their heart. But I guarantee if I was to ask certain questions, we would have so much diverse opinions, there might be, it might come to fisticuffs if it wasn't for the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace 
until we come to the unity of the faith. Amen. Aren't you glad that it's not unity of personalities? Thank you, Jesus. God's not trying to make us all a bunch of religious clones. Amen or oh me. And one of the things that's always bothered me, I might be wrong about this, just pray for me, all right? If I'm wrong about this, just pray. But it used to bother me that I could tell what denomination somebody was of five minutes after I began to talk with them. They all talk like that. They all cut their hair like that. They all think like that. Group think. Does anybody know? I know Jacob knows what I mean by group think. God's not calling us to group think. Thank God we're individuals still. Thank God we do have opinions. Thank God we have views. What we don't want is to allow those opinions and personalities and on and on it could go come between us and the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. In the bond of peace. There's liberty for different personalities. There's liberty for different leadership styles. There's liberty for different preaching styles. Aren't you glad we don't all preach the same way? And we don't all have to. Amen. We just need to preach the word. Amen or oh me. You don't have to have a high-pitched, squeaky voice like mine to be successful. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting better. Hallelujah. We don't even have the unity of gifts. We don't even have the unity of gifts. We have different gifts. And we can't demand that we all have the same gifts. That's not unity. It's conformity. It's groupthink. It's religion. It's not the unity of the Bible. It's not the unity we have to keep. And yet, how many people demand we wear our hair all the same way, the same length? Well, let's praise God. I just gave a few that I thought I could survive and you'd come back tomorrow. Let me go over some examples for you of essentials and non-essentials. If you're going to keep, maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, then you as a leader need to clarify what are the essentials, what are the non-negotiables, and what are the non-essentials. And we must have unity in the constants, in the essentials. We have to truly have liberty in the non-essentials, and we truly do need the love of God in all things. And I believe it was St. Augustine, and I might be wrong about that, that said that, but it doesn't matter who said it, it's right. We need unity in the constants, in the essentials. We need to give some flexibility and liberty in these non-essentials. The things people have discord over and divide over are not life and death, heaven and hell issues. The things we fought over for thousands of years don't really matter. You know, one of the things, if you, wanna, if you want to get help right now with your leadership team, if you will just stop for a moment and think about the things you're discussing in your meetings, and will they even matter or make a difference 10 years from now? Then we don't need to argue about it. How many of you know the color of the carpet doesn't matter 10 years from now? What kind of chair we sit on doesn't matter 10 years from now. And on and I, on I could go with the things we argue over and we create strife over and division and disunity over. So just to give you some examples of the constants at victory and the variables, the essentials and non-essentials, here are just some simple essentials. We want to have sincere love for each other. If you're going to be on a leadership team here at Victory, we want you to have sincere love for each other, that we care about each other. We care about the team because we're going to have differences of opinions. We're going to have different views. We're going to have different inputs. And if we don't love and honor each other, it becomes personal. It shuts down creativity. It shuts down growth and things like that. So when there is sincere love among us, and we really do honor each other, that you are different and it's okay to be different. You're gonna see it different than me, and I'm okay with that. But can we bring those differences together in the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace where God Almighty brings something out of it we can agree on? You know, it was hard on me for years, and now it's just so simple. It just, it's just so simple. And it may be hard on your team at first to develop sincere love for each other and honoring each other and not judging each other. You know, when we have meetings, I expect diversity of opinions while we're discussing it. It's just once we come to a consensus now and a decision has to be made, now we're going to walk in the unity of the Spirit. We're going to keep 
the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and so on. So sincere love one for another would be a good one. Uh, build relationally and generationally. One of the things with the word and faith movement that is a tremendous downfall is many great men of God have not built generationally and relationally. You want your meetings, you want your gatherings to be relational, not a business meeting, not just dealing with business. I was talking to one of the pastors on the fly earlier and how that you need to eat together. You need to to spend a little time just fellowshipping together. And we're traveling at the speed of light, and it's very difficult to even get together. And many times I feel that pressure of time, and we got to get these issues done. But hey, the, the, the relationship is more important than the business. And once you build relationally, now you're not offended as easily when we disagree. You don't take things personally. You know I love you, and you know, and I know you love me. We can disagree agreeably because we want the same thing even if we're coming from different sides of the same mountain. And so relationship, just like we teach around here, that people are more important than policy, even though policy has to be established, people still come first. The policy was created for the people, not the people for the policy, bless God. You know what I'm talking about, don't you pastors? You you leave for a week to go minister at a conference and you put some people in charge and policy kicks in. And pastor said, get her done and we're gonna get her done. And you got her done, but when I got back, there were eight body bags. We lost six families in the church, but you're real proud. I got her done, Pastor. Yeah, and you just ran off your salary. That'll hit the rest of you later. Relationship over religion, people over policy, even though, even though we need policy. So build relationally and generationally. Think about the decisions you're making. How's it going to affect the next generation? It'll change how you think. It'll get rid of all the minute, minor Things that bog us down, because if it isn't going to matter 10 years from now, it sure ain't going to matter 40. But man, if it's going to matter 10 years from now, this is, this is worth hammering out. And so loyalty and faithfulness, this is huge among us in our leadership team, loyalty and, and faithfulness. Because of the transparency we try to develop, the connectivity, the authenticity, we're very vulnerable to one another. And so loyalty is really high as a, a essential in the leadership team at Victory Life. Covenant agreements, we have eight of them uh, that we made 28 years ago. And we wouldn't put anybody on a leadership team that doesn't at least understand the eight covenant agreements and be willing by the grace of God, because we all fall short of, of any kind of agreement, but by the grace of God, we're going to maintain, keep these covenantal agreements. These are things we can, we can all agree on that are constants and that define things. And it really weeds out a lot of, a lot of issues for you. Uh, we all desire to fulfill the 16 qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Anybody on the leadership team wants to be honorable. You don't want to be a striker. You don't want to be given to much wine. You don't want to be a brawler. And on and on it goes with 16 things that make you an effective an effective leader. And so we all desire these 16 things that are in the Word of God for a leader. Specifically, it says here for a bishop. But we want everybody to at least know those 16 things and and be willing to pursue those things. And then, of course, you've got your basic tenets of faith. It's going to be hard to be a part of a leadership team here at Victory if you don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. You know, I still love you and God still loves you, but you can't lead. This is a mountain I'm going to die on. Jesus is the, not a, the son of the living God. Salvation by grace, not works, would be a tenet of the Christian faith that we can all sign off on. So you clarify those things as essentials and uh, non-negotiable. Now, the non-essentials are as important as the essentials in your clarity on your leadership team. Personal preferences. We don't, want, we don't want, again, everybody to have the same personal preferences. Your personal preferences are your personal preferences. You know, when it comes to the worship, there's a lot of the songs I don't like. I don't really like them, but I like the heart of the team worship that's, that's leading in worship. I like the words, but I don't care maybe for the beat. I have a different personal preference. Am I making sense? And so it doesn't have to be a song I like. 
It's not an essential. That's a non-essential. Does it glorify God? Does it minister to the body? That would be, you know, again, personal preferences are non-essentials. Leadership styles, that's a non-essential. Hair and clothes, I dealt with that. How about this one? Do you know how much division there is within the body of Christ over eschatology? And when I say that, I'm talking about when Jesus is coming back. How many of you know that an essential is Jesus is coming back? That's a non-negotiable. He's coming back. When he's coming back is a non-essential. I'm not going to die on that mountain. If it's a pre-tribulation rapture, how can you go wrong? (laughs) But what if it's mid? What if it's post? What if we really don't know what it's even talking about, about this great tribulation in the first place? I've seen small wars fought over pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and people won't even talk to each other. If you don't see it their way, that's a non-essential. And I could name some others, but I'm just trying to do your own thinking and dig your own grave. Amen? (laughs) God's not calling us to group think. Even Sue and I don't think the same way about everything, but we have kept the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace for 33 years and are happily married. We're not just married, we're happily married, amen? For us, since we have multiple locations, outreaches to your community. As long as you have outreaches, we don't make it an essential that you have a Christian school like we do. Two of our locations have a Christian school. One of our locations here in Durant has a food bank. I don't make that a constant and an essential that every Victory Life Church has to have a food bank. No, every Victory Life Church needs to reach its community, but that community may be unique. It might already have a food bank in it, and another church is doing it. And so let's do what somebody else isn't doing. You hear God for your community and what your needs of your community is. So it's a non-essential. So I think I made, I think I made my, my point just with some examples. All right, let's talk about no division. And what the scriptures say about division, dual vision, division. We, we need unity in the vision. We need buy-in. You need buy-in at a minimal from your leadership team in the vision. Because your leadership team is going to take the church somewhere. They're leading, right? And if they're blind... They got no vision. Where are they going to take the church? Into the ditch is probably more proper. But so, so there has to be vision. What is the vision? What is the purpose? Why do we exist? That kind of thing. And there needs to be buy-in from the leadership team because where the leadership team, where you take the leadership team is where the church is going to go. Amen. Well, we need to hurry through this. It got way too quiet. So let's go through some scriptures here about division and no division in the house of God in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Now that sounds like Genesis. Now is he saying we speak the same thing about everything and anything Let's get real. No, we speak the same thing. What is the Spirit saying to this house, and what is the Spirit doing? We all speak the same thing. What is the vision? What has the Holy Ghost told us to do? That's the vision. And we need to speak the same thing. And that there be no division, division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind. Now, what is that mind? The vision, the spirit, and the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. I just love that. I heard there's contentions among you. Like, no way. How could this be? This is horrible. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. So watch this, they were personality driven. They were personality driven, not vision driven. Personality driven, man driven, leadership style driven. Some of you, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas. 
And, it, and this, is the, this is the spirit field among us. I'm of Christ. <laughs> and you're as divisive as anybody else. Well, I'm, of, I'm of Christ. I'm not carnal like those others. <laughs> is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? I love that one. Was Paul crucified for you? No, no. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. So evidently this issue of division to start the letter off with a concern says that there, at least with Paul, was this basic understanding of the, of the prayer of unity that Jesus prayed, of the power of unity in Genesis 11, and of the blessing of unity in Psalms 133. And so he says, man, I can't, I can't believe there's all these divisions of you. And part of the, the source of the division is you're being personality driven instead of vision driven. All right, the next one is 1 Corinthians 3. You're familiar with it as well, verses 1 through 6. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, what was it that made them carnal and babes in Christ? He even went further. He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. Carnal meaning, again, they're actually being, being dominated by their flesh. They're actually walking after their flesh versus walking after the spirit and walking in the spirit. Well, what was this carnality and how did it manifest? For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as mere men? Now be honest. Think of our churches in America at large. They're filled with strife. They're filled with division. You, I mean, it's like... Am I the only pastor that sometimes feels like you're herding a bunch of cats? Well, that resonated evidently. Trying to get a body of believers to move from point A to point B takes the anointing of God, takes the power of God to get us on the same page. Unity. It begins with with my own heart in unity with a vision from Christ and a leadership team that can understand and keep this unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And within that team, we're not going to allow strife. Within that team, we're not going to allow division. We're not going to allow discord and contention. We're going to create environments for healthy debate. We're going to create environments for, for honest opinions about issues as we tackle the issues of this generation that are very complex and very difficult, but in that, in that diversity of opinions, in that diversity of views, in that diversity of what we think God is saying, we're going to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of We're not going to allow this to come between us and create strife between us. Are you still out there? We're going to work hard, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. For while, now here's their carnality. For while one saith, I'm of Brother Dwayne, and another says, I'm of Lee, and another one says, I'm of Steve Reynolds, because he told Pastor Dwayne what to do, and Pastor Dwayne obeyed. <laughs> I really don't think we've prayed this out and meditated this out, that we are more personality driven than we're willing to admit instead of vision driven. See, if we can truly develop ministry teams, if we can develop the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, if we can get leadership teams to sell out to no strife, no division, no discord, and the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace then what keeps the church going generationally is not personalities, but a vision that's been refined and redefined and defined and redefined. Because it wouldn't matter who's at the helm, whether it's Moses or Joshua, if you keep the vision before the people and we sell out to vision and no division, whether Moses gets you in or Joshua gets you in, you get in, hallelujah. You get in. 
And that's why this is important. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong, for instance, for people really looking to me to lead. When Moses was the leader, they looked to him. And there was an anointing there. Just like in my life, there is an anointing right now to lead. And there's nothing wrong with people wanting to hear from me. There's nothing wrong with people wanting me to lead because I'm called to. But there is going to come a day that I ran my race. And if you don't understand the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and that what we are to keep is the vision and build leadership teams around the vision, you don't get into the promised land. And each generation keeps going backwards and having to come up with another vision. And build on that vision for a generation. And when that leader dies, because of die vision, you start over another generation with trying to find a vision. And yet God wants us to be generational in vision. And that's why the vision has to be revisited on a a regular basis. And again, defined and refined so that we maintain, so that we keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace till we come to the unity of the of the faith. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, watch this, Apollos watered. Well, they should have had a falling out because Apollos needs to be a planter. And we need to be in unity and everybody plant. Do you see it? That's how we think. Instead of honoring Paul, thank God for the planter. But oh my God, thank God for the waterer. We need watered. I kind of come in and go out of both of those in the anointing of God. Most of the time I'm planting and the associate pastors can come behind me many times and man, they're watering and they are as valuable to the fruit as me planting. Because if I plant and there ain't no water, there won't be any fruit. I need different people. Look, look, I'm going to help you. I just got a straight from heaven. What I don't need is somebody plowing against my rows. I'm plowing and I'm planting and I need you to come alongside and water. Not plant crossway to the row I'm planting. That's disunity. When I go into another man's field, I would never purposely plow against any row he's plowing. I may not agree with him over some theological differences, or, but I would never purposely plow against a row I know he's plowing. That's disunity. It's disrespect. It's dishonor. When I go into Bible schools, I would never go into a Bible school and plow against the head of that Bible school. If I have a disagreement with the head of a Bible school I go into, I would truly want to sit down with that leader and try to harmonize whatever this difference is because I never want to accidentally plow against another man's row. Does that make sense? And yet even in our leadership teams, we'll get together with our leaders and we're trying to share the vision. Here's what the Spirit is saying because we need the unity of the... in the bond of... until we come to the unity of the... So, so I, I feel like God is saying this and I'm plowing like this and, and everybody's agreeing in the room and we all go out of the room and, and now the leaders start plowing against what I just, and the row I just plowed. That's disunity. Amen. You need to water whatever seeds I'm planting. Notice again, I've planted Apollos water so we kicked him out because there ain't no unity. Doesn't say that, does it? No, Apollos, Apollos watered what Paul planted But look at here, God gave the increase. See, the increase comes when there's unity and diversity. Increase comes when there's unity in diversity. If you're a waterer, you're not a planter. If you're a planter, you're not a waterer. And so those two working in unity, differences, allows God to give the increase then. When we try to make everybody like us, look like us, talk like us, walk like us, sound like us, then then we actually actually hinder fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. And it does take time to get comfortable in your own skin and secure where you can not be offended at diversity, at different gifts, different personalities. I got myself in a situation a couple of nights ago that I didn't realize what I'd gotten into and I was on TBN and I was on stage with 
three of the probably most dominant, I can only think of one other personality in the whole kingdom of God as dominant as those three men on that stage. And I mean, I just felt so overpowered personality-wise. But one thing I did learn is, man, I've come a long way because it, it didn't cause me to get up and walk off the stage. It didn't cause me to do anything disrespectful or dishonor to anybody. But I waited on God and got my chance. And when I got my chance, I spoke my piece. But you put my personality upside these three guys' personality. And I mean, I am not on the radar screen personality-wise. And I know that's hard for some of you to believe because you think I have a lot of personality. There's other guys that I'm telling you, I have no personality. <laughs> that are domineering and overpowering. And that's them. But see, I don't have to be them. And I don't have to be intimidated by them. I just gotta let Jesus still be Jesus in me. And it took me a long time to get there. Long time to get there. Don't ever go to a conference. Don't ever go and get yourself in a situation where you're ever intimidated by someone different than you. Simply learn from those differences. Simply appreciate their differences and it might even help you appreciate your differences as well. I, I'm kind of glad I'm the way I am now. I, I like, I'm liking me more. I still haven't arrived in liking me. I love me in the Lord. But I'm liking me a little more now because I have found who I am in Christ. And when you're secure like that, there's no offenses come into your heart. There's no jealousy. There's no envy. It really is a part of maturing and the maturing process. And so don't, be, don't feel bad if you're intimidated by other ministries, but deal with it in the sense of let's keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace until we all come to the unity of the faith. Amen? Amen. I hope that helps somebody. It doesn't seem like it helped you, but God gave the increase. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25, I just wrote that one down. No schism in the body, no division in the body. So there is a place for this unity but that same chapter, chapter 12, talks about diversity. Not everybody's a hand, not everybody's an ear, not everybody's an eye, diversity. Unity in diversity. To one is given this gift, to another is given that gift, diversity. But unity within the diversity is what causes the power of God to flow, the anointing of God to, to flow. All right. James chapter 3, let's look at this and I'm going to teach you two things and this is very important and I need to hurry. How to avoid a church split. How many of you would like to avoid a church split? Everybody at Victory Life, raise your hand. All right, that's better. Want to avoid a church split and a litmus test for wisdom. I'm going to give you the litmus test for wisdom and how to avoid a church split. And this is something I've sought God over my entire adult life because it grieves my spirit, all the strife, all the division, and just church splits. Most people, the way they deal, entire denominations, many times the way they deal with conflict is just go start another church. And that, that's, not what God, that's not what God wants us to do. Now, let's go through this. James chapter three, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? How many of you'd like to know the answer to that? All right, the rest of you that didn't raise your hand, you need to know who a wise man is and endued with knowledge among you. Watch this, because you don't want to put a fool on the leadership team. So you need to know who is a wise man among us and endued with knowledge. Let him show out of a good conversation or his lifestyle, his good works, not his fancy words, not his sweet speech that convinces you he's the cat's meow. His good what? With meekness of wisdom. In other words, before people get on leadership teams, they need tested and approved. We need to see their works, not just hear their words. All right? Next verse. But if you have bitter envyings or envying and strife in your hearts, glory not against the truth. Now, I want you to mark this in your, in your Bible. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Now, before we go any further, there is a wisdom that is earthly, sensual, and devilish. I've got to say it again because never heard it said my entire adult life. 
And when you, when you experience a church split, one of, the, one of the mysteries of church splits and the pains of a church split is it's usually two dominant leaders disagreeing now. They're in strife. There's usually some envy or jealousy. And yet when you hear them both talk, they both sound right. And that's the pain of the church split is who's, who's telling the truth or who's of God here? And do you realize, those of you that have known us for at least a, a year, if you've known us two years, you know how close Pastor Lee and I are. We've labored together for 28 years in this house. Can you imagine if our congregation had to choose between Lee and I and which one they're going to follow? If Lee and I had a falling out and Lee says, I'm going down the street and I'm starting a church. Can you imagine the torment and the pain of the people having to choose between their loyalties to Pastor Lee that served them for 28 years and Pastor Dwayne that served them for 28 years? Are you feeling this yet? The pain of that. And I guarantee you, Lee would say, tell his side of a story and everybody would go, wow, that's terrible or that sounds right. Then I would tell the opposite story, but they would go, wow, that sounds right. That sounds good. I'm telling you, there's two kinds of wisdom. One of them is earthly, but it's wisdom. It's sensual, and it's devilish. Then he says, where there's strife and envy, there's, there's confusion in every evil work. But look at the next verse. Let's go, let's go. But, but the wisdom that's from, from above is first pure. The wisdom that's where? So there's wisdom from above, and it's wisdom. Listen, and there's wisdom. It's really wisdom, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. There's two wisdoms. Verse 16 says, where there is envy, and be honest, church splits, I guarantee you, between the two dominant, so-called alpha, usually males, there's envy and jealousy involved. Somebody's got envy and jealousy in their heart. Somebody usually has bitterness in their heart. Something's gone awry that they're covering up publicly. So, he says, where there's this envy and strife or jealousy, there, there's confusion and every evil work. Do you know how few people I've met that believe that? You can't find a stronger scripture than that. Where there is strife and envy, there's confusion, and every evil work on the wings of strife, discord, disunity, comes every evil work. He didn't say where there's adultery, there's confusion and every evil work. He didn't say where there's homosexuality, there's confusion and every evil work. He didn't say where there is this or where there's that, there's confusion. He said where there is envy and strife, there will be confusion and every evil work. Now you know why we're not going to have strife between the two of us in our home. We're not going to have strife in the leadership teams. And to a measure, I can, I can endeavor, work hard, labor intense, and keep strife out of the body to a measure. I can definitely keep it out of my own heart. And I can definitely require more of the leadership team and then we're not going here. Amen. Because that's why you're on that leadership team, is to lead. And you're not going to lead people into earthly, sensual, and devilish wisdom. Now... Here's the litmus test. Here's how, you, here's how you know who's telling the truth. Here's how you know who's operating in wisdom from above and who's operating in wisdom, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then it's what? Then it's what? What are we endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of what? The guy that wants peace is the guy hearing from God. The guy that says, bless God, I don't care if it splits this church. I don't care if it hurts every family in this church. I'm going to do what God Almighty told me to do. Yeah, I'm teaching you better than you're responding. It's, number one, it's pure. Then it's peaceable. What's the third litmus test? Gentle. Oh, I love the next one. You'll never mess up here. Easy to be entreated. The guy that's forcing, the guy that's manipulative, the guy that is imposing his view is operating in earthly, sensual, devilish wisdom. Because it's easy to be entreated. 
Full of what? The guy that wants mercy is hearing from God. The guy that wants to be merciful is the guy hearing God. And good what? That one's a little more difficult, but this one's good. Without what? Without partiality. The guy operating in wisdom and truth is going to say the same thing applies to white people and black people, men and women, him and me. No partiality. That's wisdom. Without what? There's your litmus test for who's hearing God and what wisdom comes from above. And when you teach the body and when you teach your leadership team wisdom from above, that, that's how you prevent church splits. Because if the body knows this, they'll know how to discern. They'll know how to judge and judge righteously. They'll know who to follow. They'll know who to follow. Thank you. Let's go through a couple of more. The music hadn't started because it's Thursday night and I'm the last speaker, I guess. Proverbs 13, only by pride comes contention. And I don't like that scripture and I don't expect you to like it. Because every time I've gotten contentious, I've had to deal with, okay, what, what residue of pride is really in there? Every time I've gotten offended, there's pride. By pride, self-centeredness comes contention. But with the well-advised is what? When we teach people those litmus test for wisdom, then, then we are well advising them on who to listen to and who to follow. Let's go quickly through, I think Romans 12, verse 18, you're familiar with it. One of my favorite personal passages, if it be possible, everybody say, if it be possible. Thank you, God, for that if. Mm. <laughs> if it be possible, as much as lieth, lieth where in us, in you, Live peaceably with how many men? With some men it ain't possible. <laughs> Jesus was at peace with everybody, but can I get a witness? Not everybody was at peace with him. Paul was at peace with everybody, but can I get a witness? Not everybody was at peace with him. I'm at peace with everybody in my heart, and I'm going to, if it be possible, I'm going to live peaceably with all men. With some men it's just not possible. With your leadership team, I'm telling you, if you get a contentious person full of strife and envy on that team, it's going to take a lot of wisdom to remove them. There's things God has taught me that I can say individually to people that help them on how to even set your teams up where you can transition people in and out. We're very fortunate here. Our system is, is not perfect. It's being refined and rede redefined even as we speak, but it, it really weeds out a lot of problems for us, just having a system for people to go through. And so, man, if it be possible, don't, don't lose any sleep with some people. It's just not possible. They don't want to be at peace with you. And you just stay at peace with God and as much as lies in you with them. All right, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. We're going to quit here. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. We've mentioned that one already. Here it is again. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. We need to be a forgiving people, and we don't need to hold people's... You know, when, you, when you're on a leadership team, you need to put your big boy pants on, and when someone disagrees with you, you don't need to get all messed up about it. Amen. He says, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel, that's division. If you look up strife in the dictionary, it means to quarrel. If you got a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity God's love, which is the bond of perfectness. Watch this. And let the peace of God rule. What's the unity we're looking for? The unity of the Spirit and the bond of? Peace. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. In, uh, to that which also you are called in one body, and be ye, be ye thankful. I wanted to, to, to go to Philippians, but I have ran out of time. And I don't want to keep you, but the one mind, if you'll just write down Philippians chapter 2, 
man, I, I, I want to be real so bad, and I want to be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer only, that when the Bible talked about unity, it used to confuse me. What are you asking out of me? Because many times I'd read the Scriptures, and I would think it was saying that we're supposed to achieve something in the church that I can't even, even achieve with my own wife. We are not of the same mind about everything, but we have perfect unity and, and, and love and just awesome, the relationship I have with her. And the elders, I've gone 28 years without a cross word with any elder all these years. And I'm not boasting in that myself, I'm boasting in the elders. I'm boasting in mature men and women that serve together and have kept the unity of the Spirit, kept it. We just keep it. We already got it and we ain't gonna lose it. We keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I'm not gonna take offense because you see that differently than I see it. Thanks for at least being honest. Amen. And things of that nature. Well, Philippians chapter 2 tells us what the same mind is we're all supposed to have and the same judgment. And it talks about how Jesus took upon him the form of a servant, humbled himself, took upon him the form of a servant, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, therefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. The one mind that we can all have that keeps the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace is we have a servant's heart. We humble ourselves before God Almighty and we truly seek His will and pray His will be done, not mine, not ours, not yours. The will of God in our church be done. The kingdom of God come in Jesus, in Jesus' name and we are here to serve God and serve a vision. We can have unity over that, and, and you can see global warming different than me, because eventually you're going to agree with me when you grow up. And I'm going to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace till you see it my way. Man, I love you.